Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of It's All Geek to Me, a podcast where we discuss anything and everything geek-related. I am Tim. And I am Trey. Today is a special day because we are going back. We are re-watching all of the Marvel movies once again. It's been a while since we've done this, and we are going full force into Phase 2, starting with the not-so-controversial Iron Man 3, because you know, it's all geek to me. If it's a comic book or a comic movie, it's all geek to me. If it's some sort of game or a show on TV, it's all geek to me. Right, Tim. We are we're back. We are we're we finally are back. back into the Marvel rewatch. I think we got a little burnt out. That's true. We did. But uh, hold on. Before we jump into jump into this um, this conversation, um, I did some funny voices in the intro. That was it. That was just I just want to acknowledge my funny voices <laughs> in the intro. Um, I thought they were funny. They might have been weird. I like them. I think it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Keep doing them. Keep being you. <laughs> just like the whole theme of Iron Man Three. Man, you Be see you. I'm just I'm just that good. You know, <laughs> I'd make transitions, I make connections. Man, when are you gonna start paying me, Trey? <laughs> when? Well, we need listeners for that first. <laughs> and if you're listening to this podcast, like, subscribe, follow, share with your friends. <laughs> See, another great transition. We're on this. <laughs> well, going into our topic of today, uh, we we did do all of phase one already. So if you guys haven't listened to that, we do have a backlog of all of the phase one movies of the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe. Give it a listen. We do our rankings and we give them our scores. But we're now starting with phase two. We're going to use the same scale, so we're still going to be going through acting, uh, the story, so villains and heroes, uh, the directing choices, um, the sound quality, like the score, and then we're also going to go into some color choices, so costumes, representation of colors, how they use it within the kind of scheme of things, and this can also be a little bit of the CGI as we're now getting into that stage of Marvel. But with that being the same, we are changing a little bit of how we're going to do this. We, as we keep talking and we're going through, it's going to be, we're not just going to give our opinions. We have kind of done some research into these movies before going into watching them. And we got some really fun tidbits here and there. And hopefully we'll be able to uh, integrate them into our conversations. We'll see. You know, you'll have to listen to find out. So, <laughs> let's let's start off with not even any of these categories. Tim, Iron Man 3, when it came out, yay or nay, was this a this is a phenomenal addition to the Marvel universe after Avengers or were you disappointed? Because this I, is a very controversial movie. It is. It really is. Um I honestly don't remember when it first like came out. 
So I'm not sure. (laughs) 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 I can't really answer that question. Um, I remember like it getting a ton of hate when it first came out and it being like, man, this is not an Iron Man movie. Like this sucks. Um, but I, I mean, I enjoy movies, so I enjoyed it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I was not a big comic book reader before Iron Man 3. I would say Iron Man 3 is the first Marvel movie that I remember going to and saying, yeah, I'm going to keep doing this. Like, I, I'm all in on this Marvel stuff. I remember seeing Avengers, but... It's just for whatever reason, Iron Man 3 is the one that sticks out the most when it's like, this is the movie that I started with. And so I didn't have any complaints when I first watched it, to be honest. I wasn't a big, like I said, I wasn't a big comic book reader. So the whole twists and turns with the villain didn't bother me because I didn't know about them. That makes sense. I honestly forgot how many twists there were in this movie. And There's I think so I forget many. them every single time until I watch it. And do I even have to say spoilers for Iron Man 3? Or is that obvious? I mean, or... we're, we're going to be talking about spoilers from Iron Man 3. No yeah. other movies, but Iron Man 3. Well, watch me. I'm going to start spoiling every single movie now. Did you hear about Infinity War? <gasps> oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but... But I forgot, like, the like I knew the Mandarin twist. Like, I knew that one. Because that's, like, the yeah. biggest twist in the movie where it's, like, the Mandarin's not really the villain. Um, and so I was like, that one didn't surprise me again. But the Maya twist of her character um, yeah. being evil, um, that, I forgot about that completely. Completely forgot about it and was like, <laughs> dang. Um, wow, that got me. And then she died. And I was like, oh, all right, well. Yeah. Which I would say is also one of the most lackluster deaths probably in the Marvel Cinematic. I think he just shot her. (laughs) Done. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, after the big reveal and all that. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) all right, you're gone. All right, on to the big fight scene. Yeah. And I was like, (laughs) geez. Um, Yeah, I honestly, like, I I forget how much I enjoy this movie. Yeah. It's like, I don't remember when I first watched it. I don't remember if I was a fan of it. I just remember all the hate it got. But then, like, every time I watch it again, I'm like, wow, this is such a fun movie. <laughs> like, I just enjoy it so much. And, yeah, so I don't think it get, I don't think it deserves the hate that it gets. Agreed. And I would even say that with my ranking of all this might not show this, but I actually really enjoyed this movie. Like, this is one of the Marvel movies that I could sit down and just have on the background or even just watch it, like, fully engaged. And there are some really awesome moments. Mm -hmm. There are some moments that I'm like, "Mm, I can skip this part. But overall, like, this is one I can turn on anytime. Yeah, like, I think it's great. Um, I think I like it more than Iron Man 2. Um, Oh, I I definitely do. Yeah, so I think I think my rankings for Iron, the Iron Man movies is Iron Man 1, Iron Man 3, Iron Man. That's how I would put them. And it's just great. Like it's just it's so good. So I mean, I'm ready to to hop in. Yeah, and I think I want to hop into story first to really Ooh. really get into this. All right, let's Be- do it. Because Iron Man 3 has a very unique take on their story i feel in comparison to all the other movies that came before 
Mm -hmm. Really, we don't see a villain, like really see a villain until act two. Like we get them here and there, but but we really don't get the gist of hero versus villain until act two, really act three. Mm -hmm. And all of act one and act two is really focused on Tony Stark. Yeah. And I think that's how, how did you feel about that? Like, so I honestly, I thought this was really cool because I like how they focused the whole like first and second act on his anxiety and like how he's not coping well after New York. Like I, and I feel like I love that it's, it's also has to do with his relation relationship with pepper. Um, because like, I feel like before Iron Man two and before New York and all that, like not before New York, but cause they were already dating at that point, but really before the end of Iron Man two, he had nothing to lose. Yeah. Like he started this whole Iron Man journey and being a hero and risking his life with nothing to lose. Like he had no family. He had no loved ones. Like, he was a billionaire billionaire that was able to do whatever he wanted. And now he's dating Pepper and now he has, you know, things to lose. And now he sees how big the universe is because yeah. of Thor and Loki and those aliens and, and everything. And so now he's freaking out. And I love how that focused on that. And it wasn't about some new suit. It wasn't what well, kind of the, the beginning was, but, um, I liked how it focused on his, his anxiety. And I almost felt like that was a little bit actually before his, like before it's time as a movie, because I feel like it, it wasn't until the last, like maybe three or four or five years, maybe a little bit more where movies have started to like focus more on mental health. Um, and things like, I don't know, it might be crazy, but I feel like society as a whole is focused a lot more on mental health in the last yeah. five, 10 years. And so I feel like this movie having a protagonist dealing with anxiety and, not a great mental health state is a little before it's time. I might be crazy, but that's how I felt. Yeah, and that makes sense. And that's probably the part of the movie I enjoyed the most is going through Tony Stark's PTSD, his anxiety, his depression, because it's a real thing. Like they mm-hmm. really they did a really good job. The writers and the director did a very good job at showcasing the humanity of a hero. Yeah, in this movie, no, I don't really think any other Marvel movie has really done it the way Iron Man three did, and I mm-hmm. don't think it gets enough credit. I totally agree, and I do like how the bulk of the the middle of the story, I'd say probably like Act two, like once this house gets blown up, um, and he wakes up in Tennessee, I think it's Tennessee. Um, it was all about him not having his suit, and I honestly really enjoyed that, like. Because it was just him, and he was dealing with it, and I feel like because he was using his suit as a coping mechanism to deal with his anxieties and to deal with his fears, and now he doesn't have that, and he has to figure out how to deal with all of these crazy, you know, thoughts going through his head without his armor, you know, both metaphorically and yeah. literally, and so I really enjoyed that side of the story and that development. Um, there were some slow parts. There were some clunky parts, I'd say. Yeah, but I overall felt like the story and the motivation for at least the protagonist was really good. Yeah, and I think that's where, like I said, the whole story works is when it's focused on Tony Stark. The parts Mm -hmm. that I didn't feel like the story worked as well, like you said, the clunky parts, 
are when you start adding the other elements of the movie. So I felt like some of the extremist type storylines didn't really connect as well. And I felt almost as if there was two villains in this movie. And yeah. really there wasn't. But in in a sense there were. There was extremists. And then there was the Mandarin. Mm-hmm. And even though they were the same person, it felt very disconnected. Yeah, and I also feel like they didn't set up Mandarin. They did. It's hard to explain my thoughts in a coherent way, but they didn't set up the Mandarin well, and at the same time they did, if that makes yeah. sense. Because they set I feel it up. Like, Go ahead. Uh, I feel like they set it up well in the sense of like, that first video you see where he's like talking and he's like, Mr. President, are you ready for another lesson? Like that was a great setup and that was a really cool video. But when he's talking with Rhodey in that like bar restaurant, he was like, yeah, there's been nine bombings. The public only knows about three. And I'm like, okay, what? Like I feel like we haven't heard about any of this. And so I felt like they could have set that up a little bit better. Um, because like when you first, like I really didn't care about the Mandarin until happy gets blown up yeah and i think that's really is supposed to be the start of tony stark wanting to be a part of all that is when his friends in danger but it would have made more sense story-wise to pull from iron man one because iron man one was the villain technically was the ten rings yeah and that's where the mandarin comes in we'll see him later in shang chi so much better in Shang-Chi. <laughs> uh, but if they would have pulled elements of Iron Man 1 to get Tony Stark wanting to find these people because these are the ones that tr- like captured him like from the beginning and like maybe yeah. tying all the loose ends from the first movie where it's like, yeah, I got rid of the Ironmonger, but the organization's still out there. Yeah. That would have been cool. That would have been interesting. And I wonder if that didn't happen because this was Disney's... They kind of produced all the other ones, but they this was their first time. Like They've officially bought all the rights for the the Marvel comics from Paramount at this point. Exactly. So this was their first time at the helm. And so I wonder if that like they were trying to you know separate themselves and establish themselves as, you know, from this point on, it's our show. You know, it's our shindig. And so... I wonder if they, that's why, you know, I wonder if that's why it, they, there's really no tie backs to, to the 10 rings from yeah. the first movie. Um, because they were trying to be like, no, you know, new things, new stuff. Yeah. And I would also say story-wise for better or worse, this is the first Marvel movie that tied in other things. So yeah, you can say Avengers tied in all the movies that came before, but really if you watch Avengers, you could probably watch that movie by itself with no additional information. Yeah. Iron Man 3, the gist of it, like we've been talking about, is PTSD from the Avengers. Yeah. So really to get the most out of this movie, you have to have had watched the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And I think that might have also played a role in this because they really wanted to focus in on the PTSD. And so maybe they didn't want to spend as much time working all the other parts out. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that for sure. And I also, I know for this movie, there's a new director and a new writer. Yes. 
So I wonder if that also is probably like, I wonder if the writer, whether it was from maybe orders of Di- from Disney or just of his own accord was like, we're going to not tie in anything. Yeah. From, you know, we're going to only tie in Avengers on, you know, like we're not in- tying in the other areas of, of Iron Man story. I don't know. Just um, some thoughts and some uh, speculations. We'll get there when we start talking about the directorial style, but the writer and director was the same person for this movie. So Shane Black mm-hmm. is the one who replaced John Favreau, um, once again, for better or worse. And there is a distinct shift in tone, I think, from the other two Iron Mans to this one that can probably con- be contributed to the director. But when it comes to the writing and the story, my ranking is more so because I feel that Tony Stark was the heart of the movie and he they were the heart of the writing. They wanted to get Tony Stark right. And even if that meant leaving Iron Man out for a bit, I am full for that. However, yeah. I think by doing that, they kind of dropped the ball a few times on the villain. Not saying they're a terrible villain, but I think the ball was dropped a few times. I definitely agree. Um, did you did you see his uh, Black's caveat uh, for directing this movie? Was it Christmas? Yeah, it had it had yeah. to involve Christmas in some way. So yeah, that's why all of his movies. Christmas. Yeah, every single one of his movies has Christmas in some capacity. Yep, and so that's why this movie takes place during Christmas time is because that was his his caveat was like it needs to have Christmas, and, and it so works for the story. Movie. It works it for works. the story. It works great. I love it. So yeah. I forgot that it was a Christmas movie until I watched it and it was like Christmas time. And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> I will fun. say the best line, the best writing in this movie was the very last line, which they actually changed. Fun fact. They did. So originally Shane Black wanted the uh, Iron Man or Tony Stark at the very end when he's throwing his kind of chess piece away, signifying he's done with that part of his life. They wanted him to say, and I am Tony Stark. And yet they changed it to, and I am Iron Man. And it works so much better, I think, with him saying Iron Man. Yeah. Because it's him basically saying Iron Man and Tony Stark are not two different people. Mm. He is one and the same. And it just works so good. Yeah, I think it also shows that like, that he's Iron Man with or without the suit, you know, like take yes. away his suit, take and he and that he says that perfectly right before in that little monologue, soliloquy, whatever you want to call it. Um, he says it right before you can take away his toys, you can take away, you know, his house, you can take away all these things, and he is still Iron Man. And I think this movie shows that so beautifully and so well. Um, but yeah, I I love it. I like that they changed that line to to Iron Man. Um, so villain story all of that yeah what did you rank it like i said i enjoyed this still i think the story is probably the best part of this movie and i'm going to give it a 10 or a 7 out of 10 i thought you were about to say a 10 out of 10 and no a 10 out of 10 jeez that's the highest ranking we've had <laughs> like ever oh my gosh i was about to go nuts um i very similar uh i gave it a 7.5 all right. Yeah, 7.5 out of 10. So, 
that was my ranking. All right. Um, go ahead. You choose the next category that we're going to talk through. Yeah. Let's. Um, I don't think I'm going to spend as much time on this one as we have in on villain and kind of the story, overarching story. Um, but I would like to get your thoughts on acting. Um, because yes. in our, our pre-show, you seemed like you weren't as big of a fan of the acting in this one compared to the other Iron Man movies. And I would love to yeah. hear your thoughts on that. So for me, there are two standouts and then you just have to love one of them. The rest fall into the background and I just didn't, I didn't feel it really. And so that's one of, of course, RDJ. You cannot say that he did not act as he's amazing off of this movie. He's in every single, and that's the thing is every single movie he's in, he's just, he's amazing. And like, he is, he, he embodies, find. he embodies the role. Like it almost yeah. looks as if it's not even him anymore. And so I will say Robert Downey Jr. And Don Cheadle, I think were the two standouts. I think Don, I like Cheadle, Don Cheadle, when you gave him meat, like when you gave him actual stuff to use, like the writing, He's awesome. Like Don Cheadle is a phenomenal actor. Yeah. Unfortunately, in Iron Man 2, because I was thinking back to Iron Man 2, I felt Don Cheadle just didn't get a lot of the writing that he could have got, and he got it in this movie. I would definitely agree with that. Um, Yeah, I think he does a better job in this movie, and I wonder if it's just the new... I wonder if Favreau just wasn't like didn't know what to do with him in the second movie because he was probably like they changed the actor for him. Yeah. And so it was kind of trying to figure out how to write well for him. And, you know, I wonder if there was a lot of weirdness involved. Um, I, but I actually, so I really enjoyed the acting in, in this movie. I think well, a lot more than you do. There's one more actor that I, I think that needs to have a whole lot of love in this movie. And that's Ben Kingsley. He does great. Ben he, Kingsley. Yeah is a phenomenal menacing Mandarin. And then when you see him as the Hello, quirky Trevor, Trevor <laughs> he's awesome. And so, so did you know ahead. that uh, Anthony Mackie auditioned? For I the did. Mandarin? I heard that. <laughs> I had no idea until I watched this movie and I was like, wait, Anthony Mackie freaking that like <laughs> the Falcon, like <laughs> as the Mandarin it would have been so weird. It would have been the, I, I don't know. It would have been weird to me. I'm just so happy Ben Kingsley got it though, because yeah, man, that dude's hilarious. When he, so funny. I have a feeling he probably improved so much on that set. Oh, I'm sure. Like, I wonder if like when he fell asleep, when getting interrogated, if that was improv. It like, might have because it it just felt it felt natural and felt like just like flow, and so I just I love that. Um, I think another person that needs to be mentioned. Um, in the great acting categories, is the uh, the kid? Oh uh, yeah, he does great. I'm trying to remember his name. Sorry, I had it written down earlier. Um, oh my gosh, Man, I can't why find can't it. I think of his name? Uh, Harley is his, is the the character's name, but it's Ty Ty Simpkins. Yes, the there actor. we go. Um, does a great job. Does an absolute great job. Like I I literally every scene that that Harley is in steals the scene. Like he plays off RDJ so well and, and like just does a great job. Um, I loved, I loved every scene with Harley. I thought Harley did great. 
in my opinion. So I think that I think it was great. Yeah. Fabulous. I think all I think the dynamic between Robert Downey Jr. and Ty was really good. Like they, they found a, a child actor who really could go toe to toe with mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. and yet not overshadow him or anything. Like he wasn't supposed to be the main character. He was just supposed to be a sidekick to help kind of fill in those gaps of Tony's journey. And it, yeah. it worked really well. How did you feel about um, Guy Pierce? How did you think he did as uh, uh, Aldrich Killian? That's the one that I really just don't know because the way that I kind of view acting sometimes is when you're on screen, if you can keep me engaged and be like, oh yeah, this guy's awesome. Like I want to know, keep hearing him or keep seeing what he's doing or Mm -hmm. really just want to see him on the screen. That's one of the ways that I look at good acting. The other is just yeah. good acting in itself. Like, are you really embodying the character? And to be honest, Guy Pierce was hit and miss. I felt like I, there were. I would agree with that. There were there were moments that he was menacing. He was engaging. I was like, okay, I'm not going to look away from the screen. There's other moments I'm like, eh, like you're not, you're not doing a lot. Yeah, I feel like I would say, I'd say the the middle, the middle chunk of this movie is where he almost falls short. I feel like mm-hmm. the beginning um, where he, you know, in Switzerland when he's, you know, that, that dorky, you know, using the cane um, character does a great job. And then even when his first conversation with Pepper, I thought he's supposed to be the smooth, like businessman, you know, think tank creator guy. I think he pulls that off so well. Um, and then the middle, I feel like he falls off a little bit. And then the end, once it's revealed that he's the Mandarin and he's the real bad guy, I feel like that's when he picks it back up and he starts going really well again. And then he has a couple of little, I feel like awkward moments, but then like once that final, um, fight happens on the ship, I feel like he does great on that fight. So those are my, my thoughts. I would also say, like, I think it's something that was a detriment to the character, not the acting at this point, but the character, was you didn't see him a lot. There was a lot of henchmen in this movie that I honestly did. A lot of henchmen. I didn't like the acting from the henchmen. I didn't think they were good actors. I didn't think so either. I I thought the one, like, his, like, right-hand man was the the best one, but it was, like, he didn't really have any lines. He just stood there and glared. Yeah. Even, um, Even Maya. Uh, so Rebecca Hall, the actress, mm-hmm. I didn't care for a lot of the scenes she was in either. Really, I liked her character actually. There, there were some elements of it that I was like, "Oh yeah, okay, that was good," but there was most of it I was like, "Oh, you're just you're you're playing." I didn't understand what she was playing some of the time. Mm-hmm. I, I like, so I okay. actually disagree with her with with your assessment of that because I thought she was great. Um, in that first scene, like I thought she was like, I thought she played almost a female Tony Stark really well, minus the the fortune, um, and not quite okay. as bright in the beginning because like they so it's New Year's Eve. They go to Tony Stark's bedroom. It's very insinuating what's going to happen, and then they're like nerding out over science, right? In the first scene, okay. and I thought that was like I thought she did an amazing job at that in that scene. Um, and then it fast forward to the next time you see her 
And this is after Tony threatened the Mandarin, gave his own yeah. ad- address, and then she reappears. And I thought she opened up with that witty, like, you have a son line really well and played that like, hey, let's get out of here because it's dangerous really well. And then she flipped and she was the evil, the evil person. And I feel like she missed a couple little marks in that moment. Like when she first flips and like Tony's like talking to her about like, you were such a good person. You had morals and ethics. I feel like there's a couple little missed mar- moments there that she could have done a better job. But I feel like overall, she actually did a great job. I really enjoyed her character and the way she played it. So all right, I disagree with you a little bit. Hey, it's a okay to disagree. I can see where your reasoning is and I can see that. But like I said, to me, it just kind of fell a little bit flat. I'm not saying all the acting's bad because there's some standout. So I gave it a, a decent score. It's not a bad score. But what did what you is your score? Uh, What's your score? My first? score is an 8.5. Yeah, mine's lower than that. <laughs> I had a my, Mine is a 6.5. Yeah, just a little lower. Just a little lower. Yeah. <laughs> just two whole points. It's fine. <laughs> um but yeah, I, I thought the acting was did a great job. I mean, like I included Gwyneth Paltrow in there um, as Pepper, and I thought she did great. Um, I think um, from what I saw in my research, I think this was her least favorite of the three um, because I uh, she was hoping for more action sequences in the movies, but by this point, it was like she was getting older, apparently, and so she was like, oh, I don't really yeah. want as many. So, and at this movie, she and got it, the most action sequences. I know Robert Daniel Jr. really pushed for her to have some action scenes in this, like really mm-hmm. pushed for her to be a prominent person in the movie, um, which I, I appreciate because she did need more. I think after yeah. this, all the other movies she's in, really, she does have a side, like a back well, burner after, role. After this, she didn't really want to be in the movies anymore until yeah. Endgame. Well, she so. was in Spider-Man. Yeah, but barely for like half barely. a second. I think she yeah. also forgot she was in that one. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that was so. I think Spider Man was her first one back, and I think that was because in in Age of Ultron, her and Tony kind of were on the rocks a little bit. No, That's right. they weren't. They were like she is mentioned but not seen. Yeah. Um, and so because her him and Thor are competing, yes. um, between their girlfriends, and so she like kind of took a step back from that one, and and Spider Man was her first first one back so so yeah so i mean i think she kind of took a step back she was a little annoyed um but she was willing to come back which is cool because i think she does great i think she does i think she really embodies the role of pepper Potts. i think she does an amazing job in that role and i honestly wish there was more of her in this movie agreed i i do agree with that now i'm going to switch to a category that i actually do think was pretty good and that's uh, uh, the color choice, like color palette, costuming, uh, representation of color, how it's used within the themes and stuff. Yeah. Iron Man 3 had some really good things going. The The use of winter, like the Christmas, I think was really yeah. good. Especially with the Christmas lights and like yeah. how it wouldn't always be the focus on the camera. And this might be more of a cinematography than a color thing. Um, but it wasn't the focus of the camera. So like they like were blurred. And so I felt like the the colors in those the the bulbs looked really cool. The background. I would also say like I don't know Christmas time can either be very happy, uplifting, joyful with the, like all those lights and the colors, but then at times, honestly, winter has this depressing feeling at times as well. 
Mm-hmm. And I think this movie does a really good job at showing that with their color choices. So yeah. when Iron Man or Tony Stark, his house blows up, Jarvis takes him away somewhere and he lands in, I think it was Tennessee. Yeah. And when he lands, it's dark, it's snowing, it has that depressing winter feeling because of all the lighting and the choices. It's all white and black, and even the color of his suit is like neutralized almost. It's very dark yeah. red, very dark white. And I think that works really well for where like Tony Stark is at that point. He's at the lowest he's been. Mm-hmm. And then vice yeah, versa. Right. When he gets to the town, it's all lit up. And it's all kind of joyful. And he's going through that with Ty uh, Ty Simpkins, who plays Harley. Like He's kind of bringing him back up to the remember who you are. Yeah. And it's and slowly more than just your up. suit. And I think that's cool because it's like, because he doesn't have a suit at that point. It's charging. Yeah. It's sitting there. And I think the whole point is like, you're more than just your suit. Like, you're not just your suit. You're your brain. Like, you made that suit. You can do things exactly. without it. And so I thought that was really cool. Um, I thought the colors um, of all the suits were really cool in this movie. Because um, this yeah. was, like, the Mark 42 is a different color, like, color way. It was, like, gold. It was, yeah, it was, like, almost like a cream white and a red S yeah. with maybe a splash of gold in there. And so it was cool. It was a cool coloring. Um, I also loved all of the suits' looks. Like Yeah, like, at the very end the house, when they all yeah. came in. When they do the house party at the very end, like all the suits look so distinctly different. Um, and they felt real. Yes. They felt real. And I think that's something that they lose later in the movie. And I, I every time I watch any of the first three Iron Man movies, um, I get that feeling because I'm watching the movies and I'm like, wow, these look real. <laughs> yeah. These feel they... like I can touch them. Unlike the bleeding edge armor and the infinity war and an and end game, which does not feel real and no. feels Hot take. fake. The best looking one that we had until it ended was civil war. Like that his suit. suit in civil war was really good and it looked real. It looked like clean yeah. and it still had like kind of the nanotech to it where it could like start at his finger and then go all the way up his, like his body once we got to Infinity War, that's when I started like seeing the drop in quality of the suits. Hundred percent. And I think it would have been like I think it would have been so cool if they didn't just CGI the entire thing. Because I think yeah. that's the difference is like if they like if they CGI just it like coming on like out of the the chess piece, and then once it's like all on, then change it to like have them have RDJ put on an actual suit. It doesn't have to be made yeah. of metal. But like, have them put on an actual suit like they did in, in the first three movies, and have it look like real again. Yeah, and it could have been really cool. But here we are now. Now the other color choice, I kind of want your take on this as well. I personally thought it was really interesting having extremists as the villain ish, like one of the villains, mm-hmm. where whenever they use their power, they glow, and they I had like this it. color. I liked it too. I, I think it the, really the helped. Glow. Yeah, I think it, it it made it seem ominous, and it had just it made it. it it's, I don't know about you, but every time I, like they started to glow, especially like the because the first time you really see it is when the guy blows up in front of Happy. 
Yes. And he blows up and it like when he's glowing, it just gives me a gut feeling of like, oh no. You know? And like you're just like, crap, something this is wrong. This is bad. And I feel like every time after that moment, anytime you saw someone glow, you were like, Oh crap, this is Yeah. I've seen this before, this is not good. And it gave you that gut feeling again. And so I love that glow and that uh, that effect because it had that feeling every single time. And they did it both in the day and the night because there's like the plain scene where they do use their powers and during the day and things like that. But I think going off of that, it always worked better when it was at night because of the contrast of colors. You had the dark winter, the grays, the, the yeah. snow, the whites. And then you have this character who's just walking in it just glowing this bright red orange mm-hmm. fire color and it worked really well. And like to add on to it, like you had the effect too of like it's like you mentioned it was cold. Like it was cold outside and so like they're radiating the heat cuz it's all like fire based with extremis and like they were most of the time like steam was coming off of them. Which I thought was a cool effect too. It was just like the, the steam like like rising off of them. I was like that's dope. That's really cool. Yeah. So, so I really liked that. So for this one, I I gave the kind of the palette, the costumes, all the representation an eight point five out of ten. Okay, uh, mine was pretty close. I gave it a seven. Okay. Yeah. I liked yeah, it, but I, it wasn't we pretty groundbreaking close. to me, so I dropped it off a couple like a couple points. Gotcha. I think for me, it was the winter and use of color during winter to represent tony that really brought it up to an 8.5 for me that makes sense so Um, which what do you want to go next we got sound we got directing and that's it that's it uh so i'm i think we should jump into sound because i feel like we're gonna spend the most time in directing um and story structure and all of that so let's jump into sound the score and the songs and like sound. yeah this one this one will be pretty quick i think yeah like what do you think overall of the of the sound in this one the score was good. I, I enjoyed the score. However, not gonna lie, I didn't really care for it. It was, it was average for me. Like, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I feel like the the score of like the songs and the soundtrack was great as always. And every Iron Man movie has a great soundtrack. But I feel like it almost took a step back than from the other movies, and like there wasn't as many like rock songs in there and like you know black sabbath metallica you know those type of songs i was in the other ones i felt like they took a step back and didn't have nearly as much in it but at the same time i didn't take points off for that because i did notice it as well because i felt that was a stylized choice to represent tony stark and not iron man not having all those heavy metal the like heavy rock type music and instead have these softer things so I, i thought that was really good but once again not having those iconic sounds and iconic score and soundtrack it doesn't i couldn't tell you the songs that were in that movie right now i couldn't either and i and And, i took points off for that but i will say the score is really good though and that what that's kind of what brought it up that's why i have it like an average like i don't know because score was good the music they chose, like the actual songs they chose for it, weren't so much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that makes sense. I kind of like—I don't know. I thought that some of the sound effects were good. I thought the score was good, but it, it wasn't like blowing me away. Yeah, I wasn't like, "Oh my gosh, this is the greatest sound!" Like there are movies you leave and you're like, "Wow, 
like I, for example, like Interstellar. When yes. I left Interstellar, I was like, dang, the score for that movie made it so much better of a movie. Um, and so that like just raised the bar for me. But this one didn't like. I feel like it didn't add anything to the movie most of the time. Like it was all right. It was good, but it wasn't anything groundbreaking or like mind blowing. Agreed. Um, yeah. So what'd you rate it out of out of ten? I'm guessing because you said average a couple of times. Um, right in the middle. Yep, it was right in the middle. Uh, I I gave it a five out of ten. I enjoyed the score. Didn't really enjoy the soundtrack. So that makes sense. Uh, I gave mine a six out of ten. So I was right there with you. All right, yeah, pretty close. Kind of yeah. consistent with what we do. You typically give a little bit higher than I do. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm a little more generous. All so right, last, on last to category. directing. I think Shane Black, just going right into it. First off, John Favreau did the first two. Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2 were all John Favreau. Apparently, this has never been confirmed but there, there were some disputes between John Favreau and Disney when it came to this movie, really? and that was one of the rumors on why John Favreau stepped down, and Shane Black came on. Now, Shane Black had also already worked with um, RDJ at some point, so they already yeah, knew they each other and together. stuff. And John Favreau's in the movie; he's still happily with Disney with the Mandalorian and that universe and. He's also has Happy Hogan and everything that Tony Stark's in. He's so, also producing a lot of the other movies now. <laughs> yeah, they, so they mended he their bridge. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have a bad relationship, but I do think the switch in directors really, really changed the tone of this movie, for better or worse. In my mind, there are some parts that Shane Black nailed, like we talked about with the Christmas elements to it. Uh, Tony Stark's kind of arc in using some of his cinematography and Shane Black was also a writer so I would also give him credit for writing some of that but there were elements of this that I'm like dude what were you doing here <laughs> um, what what did you think before I get into all that yeah um, I thought I agree. I, I thought there were some really cool elements. Like I really like the cinematography. And I'm kind of talking about cinematography a lot for this one, but I thought the cinematography was cool when the house was being destroyed, or like um, when Tony was having that dream and accidentally calls Mark Forty Two, and like yeah. attacks Pepper. Like I thought that was a really cool element. But there was just some moments where I was just like, "All right, that was all right." You yeah. know, like it was just it was cool. If if I had to give one reason I didn't really care for the directorial style, I'm not saying everything, just one reason and one word, pacing. Yes. This I movie think, has I couldn't a put really my finger on pacing. it until you said that. I think pacing was spot on. I think the pacing was odd. Act one, great pacing. I think act one, like going from the 1999 scene straight into Tony Stark all the way up until his house was destroyed. I think the pacing there was great. Yeah. Where it drops is act two. I'm not saying act two is bad. I'm just saying it needed to speed up a bit. Yeah. Act two is a little slow at times. And I I would say a little clunky. And 
it, it mind boggles me too that it's slow. It's not a fast pace because apparently the first edits of this movie was three hours and 15 minutes. Jeez. They cut so much out of this movie and yet it feels slow. I wonder if they cut a lot out of the, out of the middle and like they cut the fast parts out of the middle. That's what I'm thinking. And so that is my issue with Shane Black's directing in this. Nothing mm-hmm. about like the cinematography or um, some of the elements he chose to put into it. Yeah. But I think he could have cleaned up some of the villain arcs like we talked about previously and pieced that second act together a little bit more where it felt faster. And I think a good way of doing this would have been jumping between people a little bit more often. Yeah, I think that definitely would have been, because it was long stretches of, you know, Tony, long stretches of Pepper and Maya, back to long stretches of Tony, back to long stretches of Aldrich Killian slash Maya slash Pepper. You know, it was just like long stretches of each of them. And yeah, like I just, they were there. Yeah. And I would also say with the long stretches of Tony, it was only Tony most of the time. Yeah, and he wasn't so, playing, and like sometimes he was playing off of Harley, but a lot of times also just him walking, or, yep. or looking at a grave, interacting or... with like no name extras. You know, yeah. like where there was not a lot of depth or anything. It was just like some random extras, and he was making some witty jokes too, which were funny. But it was just like, okay, let's get let's get some substance here. You know, yeah, and we mentioned it in the acting one too. But they gave Don Cheadle a whole bunch of like really good writing, I think, in this one. But I wish he was in it more. I I do wish that. I think that would have helped the movie because then you could have been going alongside both of them Mm -hmm. and like really diving into Don Cheadle's. But I was like kind of giving him the whole, um, well, it's not war war machine anymore the, at this oh, point iron patriot. iron patriot giving him that role you could have done so much more with it that would have yeah. helped tony's arc more yeah i agree because i actually really enjoyed his like going around looking for the mandarin journey and mm-hmm. like he was like freeing random like sweatshops <laughs> and stuff i was like this yeah. is really funny and like really cool and i felt like they could like you said i felt like they could have done a lot more with that um but they didn't. And so I will say that there was a lot of really cool elements in it, um, in like the directorial style and, and cinematography. Like I really liked Tony's, um, home alone style assault. On yes. That was Mandarin base in Miami. Like that was so fun where it was just like all like no suit, just home alone tech. And he, it was great. It was so fun. And I'll give Shane black credit there too. Like he, with the whole Christmas theme, he added elements of Die Hard. He added elements mm-hmm. of Home Alone. He added elements of, heck, probably some National Lampoon in there, too. I'm sure. <laughs> and, like, he pulled from very good... Oh, Gremlins. I think Gremlins was mentioned in this movie as well. Oh, really? But, like, he pulled a lot of different Christmas styles from other movies and made it his own. And I thought it was really good. Um, yeah, that was great. So what did you rank directing? I'm very curious. Yeah, so I gave it a 6 <laughs> out of 10. 
I also gave it a 6 out of 10. We are right on the same tra- uh, track right here. I was wondering if this was going to be the first category that you rated something higher. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I gave it a 6. Um, also, I, this was obviously not intentional because uh, Miles Morales came out way after. But did you notice the Roxxon reference? I don't think I did. Yeah, so at the very end, the ship they're on is the Roxxon Norco. I did not catch that. Yeah. So, so Roxxon like, hey. is a very famous in the comics because Roxxon is actually Miguel O'Hara's kind of like um, enemy-ish. Like basically Roxxon is a big corporation that's always implemented in Spider-Man 2099. That's cool. Yeah. That's fun. I just know it from Spider-Man Miles Morales, the video game. Yeah. Um, that's where they really just... kind of pushed it. Which we just did an episode on, which was fun. Um, and so I saw, I was watching the movie and it said the rocks on Norco. And I was like, no way. That's cool. Rocks on. <laughs> now, a little nod, even though it wasn't intentional because, again, the time difference in these movies <laughs> in the game. Now, averages before we get into like one more element of this. What was your overall average then? What was the total ranking for you? So mine ended up coming out to um, a 7 out of 10. Okay. Mine's actually pretty close to that. Mine was a 6.6 out of 10. Okay. This uh, turned out to be one of my highest movies. Dang. So I was very surprised. Uh, Captain America is still my highest at an 8 out of 10. Uh, Next would be Avengers at 7.6. And then Iron Man 3 out of 7. Which honestly makes sense because I do feel Iron Man 3 still beats some of the Phase 1 movies. Like Iron Man 2, for me, I would always pick Iron Man 3 over it. Or Incredible Hulk, I would watch Iron Man 3 over that. Yeah. Um, The only ones that I wouldn't would probably be Iron Man, Captain American Avengers. Yeah, honestly. Um, And I think the only reason my Iron Man isn't my Iron Man one isn't higher is because we changed our voting system right sure. after we made the for we we'll just have to go back one. over to that one. Yeah. So we'll have to go back over to that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I honestly, I really enjoy this movie. Um, I always enjoy it far more than I remember. I enjoy it every time I watch it. Um, so yeah, I think it's great. Um, I think the last thing we have to talk about though, the end, end credit, credit scene. scene. Yep. And yeah, the end credit scene. what do you think of the end credit scene? Personally, one of my least favorite. Um, like, I think it's funny. It's funny, but it's like, I don't know. I wasn't, it wasn't something that I would, the way I would view end credit scenes is, was it funny enough for me to wait through six minutes of credits? Yes. Or was it engaging enough that I'm like, oh, that makes me want to see their next project. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I don't think it was funny enough for me to sit through six minutes of credits. <laughs> I was very thankful for Disney Plus and fast forwarding. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> I just fast forwarded straight to the end credit scene. But yeah, I thought it was funny. I thought it was good, but uh, it definitely wasn't like one of their best. Yeah. So now I do want to mention one last thing before we kind of sign off. And that is this after Iron Man 3, there was one small thing that was produced that kind of helped. I think I'm using this term right. Quelm or like calm people down who were mad about the mandarin so maybe we'll do a whole podcast on them so we won't go through them all 
But Marvel for phase one and part of phase two released short films. And they were supposed to be like short clips of what's happening in between the movies. And mm-hmm. so they had one called The Consultant where you get to see Agent uh, Phil Coulson. You get to see there's um, another one called A Funny Thing Happened to the Way to Thor's Hammer. And you get to see yes. that. Well, after Iron Man 3, they made one called All Hail the King. <laughs> yeah, and because it follows Trevor in prison, right? It does. And so it basically follows Trevor in prison where you basically learn that the real Mandarin is kind of taking him and being like, hey, you were impersonating me. And it (laughs) ends. And it's really cool because spoilers here for phase four right now. So if you don't want to hear this, sign off. We'll see you later. (laughs) But in phase four, Shang-Chi, the Mandarin's a villain, and Trevor's there. Yep, And so it ties directly into phase four. And we also get to see Sam Rockwell in this short. And you get to see basically Justin Hammer from Iron Man 2 interact with Ben Kingsley's Trevor in prison. (laughs) And what's interesting is we're actually getting both of those guys back. We got Ben Kingsley back as Trevor in phase four. And we're about to get Sam Rockwell back as Justin Hammer in phase five. So that's cool. I'm really excited about that. I do appreciate the continuity and things like that. And there are really good payoffs. Disney really is really good at that, where they're really good for other payoffs, where they set things up and then years later it pays off. Like I think Ahsoka is one of the biggest examples of that. They set up Ahsoka in Clone Wars, and now like Ahsoka's just developed one of the this fan favorite character just through time and development, you know? Yeah. So Disney's good at it. Well, that is our take on Iron Man three. Catch us next week as we are going to kind of continue the Marvel trend uh, until the end of the year. So it's going to be a little bit of a sporadic take on that. But we are going to try to get through phase two by the end of the year. So be sure to watch those coming up. Tim, take it away. Yeah, we release episodes every Monday, Monday, Monday. Um, Give it a listen. Share with your friends. Um, follow us on social media, like comment on these videos. We'd love to hear your thoughts on our ratings and other things we're doing. Uh, let us know if you agree or disagree with how we've rated different things, or maybe we missed something in our conversation. Let us know. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Send us a message on Instagram or Twitter, or leave a comment on one, uh, one of the many places you can listen to our podcast. Um, it's great. We love talking about all these nerdy things. We love to hear your thoughts and have you join the conversation. Catch us next week as we talk through A Quiet Place, part one and part two, because it's all geek to me.